we've progressed from that perspective and accept that women women really can be ambitious and career driven and that is supported but we're still lagging in catching up to women shifting their attitude letting go of that guilt and really releasing some of that uh, mental and emotional burden and demanding that their their partners take their fair share does talking about your money make you cringe are you tired of fighting about finances do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness then you are in the right place Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I am so excited to welcome my guests today, Donna Soa Allard and Lauren Hockett Robbins. They are two powerful women that I met when I was off at a conference this September. Uh, It's the FinCon conference, which is really all about uh, financial education and podcasting. And for obvious reasons, I was there. And when I met Donna and Lauren, we really all hit it off, uh, had a lovely meal or two together, and started to share information about not only financial literacy, but women in power, as well as uh, wanting to have them on the podcast. So welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much for having us. We could not agree more that you are an excellent dinner partner, and we were so happy to spend some time with you there. Yes. Thank you, Kathleen. It's so great to be here. Yeah, it was really, really fun, and I can't wait for us to uh, be able to be at a conference and connect again. But I know today we get to break money silence together, which is fun, and you two brought a really great myth. So, uh, Donna, why don't you tell us what the myth is, and maybe, Lauren, you can tell us what motivated you to pick this myth. Sure. So our myth is that the key to happiness is achieving a work-life balance. And we were motivated to pick this myth. It's actually part of what connected us over the last couple of years and motivated us to start our own podcast, Life Rebalanced, is that we find that really the the concept of having work-life balance is problematic from many angles. One is that it implies that your work and your personal life are two very separate things, which we find really isn't effective. Um, We're big proponents of work-life integration. And that's kind of the focus of our of our podcast and the message we want to share. So work-life balance is the key to happiness. Now, some people would say that that's not a myth. Um, but what you're saying is that's not really what happens. So, so say a little bit more about what you have experienced and either personally or what you've seen in your clients who are trying to do this thing called balance. Sure. Well, I, I really do believe that I understand why for some people, they, they would say, obviously, we need work-life balance. You can't be, you know, all into your career all the time you, and, and focus all on your family all the time. There has to be a balance. I understand where it comes from. We've had this ingrained into our mind for years. But I believe that it's a myth because especially for maybe either business owners or people who are really career-driven and like identify with their careers and, and believe in what they do, it really is a part of you. 
I've, I've heard business owners describe their business as one of their children, something that they've nurtured and they love and, and really do feel is uh, an extension of themselves. Um, I think that it can be damaging because it's, it's saying that if one creeps into the other, that it's problematic. And I know that, um, and I'm sure you know, as a business owner, as a professional, that very often you find yourselves as a whole person having life stuff, personal stuff come up during your workday. And because of that, very often it means that work stuff ends up happening in the evenings. And I think that if you put a lot of pressure on yourself to keep those things so separate that that becomes stressful, and I think that it's unrealistic. I really do. And I would also add that, you know, Donna and I are both certified financial planners. And so we really work with people from a financial perspective a lot of times. But the financial piece touches every aspect of people's lives as well. Just like work bleeds into personal life, finances touches every area, which is something I know you're you're very familiar with, Kathleen. And it, it influences a lot of things. And to Donna's point, putting this stress on ourselves of separating I think separation of, of work and personal life and thinking that finances are separate from our, our other aspects of well-being really is detrimental and causes undue stress. So what's interesting to me is this whole concept of uh, life rebalance or integration that you're talking about. And what I'm wondering is, do you see it distinctly different for men versus women? Well, I definitely think that women and men come to it from a bit of a different angle. I mean, from my own experience, I found that men have a much easier time uh, compartmentalizing and also not bringing a sense of guilt when they make a choice. Um, you know, a perfect example of this is uh, how uh, I've wanted to get into golf, but specifically do not because it is so time consuming and I have three children at home. And I know that even if I'm doing it for work, that it is uh, creeping into my family time. I know it will inevitably at the end of the day and then have to explain to my husband, I really am working even though I'm out golfing. I do not find this is something that my male colleagues deal with. So I do think that in some aspects um, that that is, is something that women definitely bear a little bit differently than men do. Do, do you agree with me, Lauren? I do. I do. And I think, frankly, that the concept of work-life balance is something that has been thrown on the shoulders of women. And it's something that men really have an easy time with because really this concept of, as women, I think we tend to compartmentalize. This is my work persona. This is my um, mom persona. This is my daughter persona. This is my friend persona. And really, we are proponents of, and Donna and I have been on this journey, to make ourselves whole people and this is who we are and we bring ourselves to every aspect of our lives, it creates much more peace and calm and less stress. You know, it's interesting because I see also generationally that there might be a difference. Now, I will say that I am a Gen Xer at the highest. I'm a cusper, so between Gen X and Boomer. And I think Mm -hmm. both of you are Gen Xers or Millennials? We are cuspers as well. <laughs> so, but yes. but yes, between being Gen Xers and Millennials. Okay. And so I guess my question is, do you see it differently with some of maybe the Millennials in your life? I do think that there is more of an expectation among Millennials specifically, and I would say younger Gen Xers as well, um, that men will be responsible for more of 
of the home life, the family life, the and, and specifically not just housework or stuff getting done at home, but being responsible for some of that unseen emotional burden that women tend to bear far more than men do. And I would actually argue that that is a larger um, a larger burden when it is uh, when it is lifted than you know simply doing the dishes. And I completely agree. I think that we have progressed as a society to the point where most households at this point are dual income households if you're a married couple. Tremendous number of female heads of household across the country. And we've progressed from that perspective and accept that women women really can be ambitious and career driven and that is supported, but we're still lagging in catching up to women shifting their attitude, letting go of that guilt, and really releasing some of that uh, mental and emotional burden and demanding that their their partners take their fair share. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I feel like women have come a long way in the men who are allies. I also feel like our society has come a long way, but there is this undercurrent, and I feel it not even being a mom, that there's this undercurrent um, where society is still ambivalent about women and power. And I think that's what you two are talking about. I very much agree with you. I think that, and Lauren and I actually had this very discussion uh, the other day, the idea that we know that problems exist and we know that there are things we need to fix. But even sometimes people who can objectively articulate that will not act in that manner. A great example is uh, a board that I participate on. Um, one of the men was not going to be at a board meeting because his wife had had a baby and he was taking two weeks off. And I could visually see that other people in this meeting felt he should have participated at this board meeting, even though he was home uh, to be supportive of his wife and his new baby. Um, so it's something that objectively people will say, yeah, we said we support men, you know, picking up some of the emotional household, whatever burden. We support women, um, you know, participating in, in work life and, and making an environment where they uh, can still um, care for, for family at home. But do we actually act in a manner consistent with those ideas? Yeah, and, and this is where I think we see a generational difference. I do think that there's progress being made say, in the millennial generation, there are more and more men who are willing to take that time off without guilt and feeling like they aren't fulfilling their obligations. So the more we support men doing that, the more I think it improves for everyone. But that's a good point. It's support of men and women so that we can all participate better. Yeah, I like that. And, and in some ways, you know, we all know the politically correct thing to say, the stance to take. But I do think watching people in meetings or getting a sense of what internally is going on for whether you're a man or a woman, what's going on for you when you are trying to figure out how to live a whole life at work uh, and at home. And so I'm going to take a quick break. Um, but when we get back, I want to talk a little bit about what the difference is between work-life balance or rebalance, as you say, and boundaries. So we'll be back in a sec. Did you know that 44% of Americans would rather talk about politics, religion, and death than personal finance? And there's a real cost to this money silence, to society, your family, and the next generation. Kathleen Burns Kingsbury's new book, Breaking Money Silence, How to Shatter Money Taboos, Talk More Openly About Finances, and Live a Richer Life, 
explores the history of the Money Talk taboo and offers readers practical tips and tools for engaging in healthy financial communication. Pick up your copy today. Breaking Money Silence is available on Amazon and bookstores everywhere. Join the revolution at www.breakingmoneysilence.com. This is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. I am here with Donna Soed Allen and Lauren Hockett Robbins, and we are having a great conversation about the myth work life balance is the key to happiness. And they have both busted that myth wide open, saying that work life balance is impossible. It's really much more about uh, work life integration. And so before the break, I asked you both to think about the idea of what's the difference between work-life integration and setting boundaries. And the reason I ask is I think setting boundaries, especially if you're career-driven around your time, both professionally and personally, is important. Um, And so I'm just curious. I don't have the answer. What do you think? What is the difference between what you're talking about and boundaries? You know, I think you bring up a really good point, Kathleen. It is important to have boundaries because when we're talking about integration, things can very easily bleed into each other, right? And for me, I'll speak to my own personal uh, use of boundaries. So I am very, very much available to my clients. However, I have strict rules for myself about the fact that I do not reply to emails or phone calls outside of typical work hours, unless it is some kind of emergency, because I think that that gives me the ability to have my physical and my mental focus be present with where I am, because during those hours, I'm typically with my children or spending time with friends or or taking care of myself out um, hiking or doing yoga. And I think it's important to have both of those things and, and feel free to say, this is something that's a priority for me. And right now I'm shifting gears over over to things that nurture me or my family. And unless work is an emergency, I'm not going to address it right now. Sometimes that's not possible. We all do the best that we can. And I think giving ourselves a grace to realize we do the best that we can, but still having those boundaries in place as a guideline is important. Yeah, I agree with that very, very much also speaking as as a mother. Um, But it's not just for for moms, right? I mean, there are plenty of, you know, single women who don't have children who also need to be imposing boundaries because you have to be able to have a life. When we talk about integration, um, or I I know that from my perspective, I I mean, letting my, my clients, my business partners be very aware of the fact that I am a woman with a family and sometimes that takes priority, but also making my children uh, and my husband be very aware that I love my work and it's important to me. And sometimes the nature of what I do uh, means that I might have to work a little bit outside of my normal office hours, but that's okay because it's important to me. Uh, and I think it teaches them a great lesson that, you know, someday you might have a job that you love enough that you you want to be doing it when you might not otherwise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would piggyback on that and say that um, really giving yourself those boundaries allows you to bring your best self to every aspect of your life yeah. and, and to, to bring your best self to the office because you have taken care of yourself outside of the office. 
Yeah, it's interesting because if you're burnt out from not setting boundaries, it's really hard to have yeah. that um, that integration or really have that joy with work. I know I learned that lesson early on in my professional life about setting those boundaries. And so thank you. It, it helps me understand. And I think it helps the listeners understand a little bit as to kind of what the difference is. Now, I would love to know, what are some tips or tools you might have for people who are listening in? Um, You are part of a series called Women, Money, and Power, so we can think about tips for women, um, but also for the men who are listening in. I think it's really important that a lot of this might apply to you as well. Um, So, Donna, let's start with you. What's a tip or two you can offer the listener about how to do this thing called uh, life integration? So I think that the most important thing is probably establishing really good habits that are going to make your choices automatic. So you have to do less thinking and your your body and your routine automatically happens. Um, things like setting a really, really good morning routine. You, you have automatic cues that help you get up and get going and get your your energy going for the day. Having really good habits helps you so that when life throws you curveballs and maybe uh, work is a little bit more crazy or there's a health issue or something happening at home, you've always got those great habits to go back to. Um, That is probably something that I found in my own personal growth journey over the last couple of years to be the most important thing and the number one thing that has, um, you know, helped me to, to stay performing at a high level during this time. I would completely agree. And I think on top of the habits and, and alongside of that, the the consistency, what you do in little bits and pieces builds up to who you are as a whole. So even if you have five minutes to devote to something that really and truly you need to devote an hour to, to find consistently little bits of time here and there to take care of the things that you need to take care of is really critical and helps give you momentum and and forward movement. Because when you have momentum and forward movement in one area of your life, it then creates momentum in all areas of your life. So you can be fulfilled and successful in life in general. So what? those are both really good tips, right? Good habits, having a routine, being consistent, checking things off the list and, and uh, working towards them. But I know for me, and I'll just be very transparent, um, when I have a good routine and when I'm doing something consistently and then I get knocked off, whether it is a health issue, whether it's, uh, to be honest with you, a powder day and I decide to go skiing and all of a sudden my morning routine looks very different. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> How mm-hmm. do you encourage people to get back on track? And and I think for me, um, it's always, you know, how can I be compassionate with the fact that, okay, it wasn't perfect, but I'm getting back, I'm getting back to it. I 100% agree with you, Kathleen. And this is an area that, that I personally, I will say I have struggled with over the course of the last year or so. And I think that the key is to whatever it is you're doing in that moment, fully embrace it and let go of the guilt and know that. And that's where really and truly the, I relate it to being a financial planner. And when you're, you're managing someone's investments, you have certain allocations to different investments. And sometimes there are larger pieces of the puzzle in one area and sometimes they grow. And that's where our focus on occasion might shift away from our routine and habits. But it's important to acknowledge that we need to do that guilt-free. And and you know that because you've established that routine and those good habits, you will rebalance back to those at some point. But 
for right now, it's important that you're doing what you're doing and enjoying it. See, I thought of cake. Uh, I, I thought of cake. <laughs> you know, enjoy, in, enjoy a piece of cake at a birthday party and get back to your healthy eating the rest of the time. And, and it's the same exact thing, right? You have to give yourself the grace to enjoy that piece of chocolate cake, knowing that you have good eating habits most of the time. That 80-20 rule, it, it's a real thing. I think it's a real thing. We can't be all on all the time because that means we're all or nothing. And I refuse to be all or nothing. I used to have that mindset. I really did. I would do great on a diet or great on my workout routine or, or great on my like tracking my budget and then mm-hmm. fall off the horse or the bike or whatever you're riding, right? And, um, and feel like I had to restart. And that's just not true. You don't need to restart. You just need to get back on track. Yeah, when I used to do more uh, work with behavioral change around uh, food and exercise, I used to say that slips don't lead to slides. Uh, you can yes. slip up and, and get back on without sliding all the way down and, and being at, uh, at at the very, very beginning. So so both of you have so much knowledge in this area. And I know, uh, I know this, but I realize the listeners probably don't, that uh, Donna, you practice in Rhode Island as a CFP and Lauren practices in, am I right, California? Yes, Southern California. Southern, mm-hmm. ooh, Southern California. And Gotta make so, that why distinction. Sounds so much happier. <laughs> yeah. That's why you sound so much happier than I do, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> and so, when you are, you know, in your practices, which obviously your philosophies dovetail, and in a minute we'll talk about your podcast. But when you're working with clients, do you bring in some of this uh, work-life integration into the financial planning, or is this something that you just do for yourselves? So I'll tell you that I did not used to, but it's really just kind of come up organically in conversations with people. When you're doing planning, people are coming in saying, I have a problem to solve, right? There's, there's some issues. Sometimes they're very big issues. Sometimes they're smaller issues, but there's always some issue to solve. And more often than not, we'll find that this problem is really symptomatic of something entirely non-financial or this financial issue is causing a problem that is not financial. Um, so, yeah, we do get into these conversations because you, and, and like you, Kathleen, what you do is behavioral. Um, fine, personal finance really is behavioral. And I'm so happy that as an industry, we're starting to pay this uh, the respect that it deserves. Because if we really want to help people improve their outcomes, we have to address behavior at its root rather than slap on a Band-Aid, right? Like taking money out of your 401k to pay off a debt might fix that debt at the moment, but it's not going to help you save better and it's not going to help you spend better. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we absolutely are, are working it into our daily practices. And for me, I am I'm truly so passionate about this issue. I've actually created a um, another branch of my business entirely called Plan Well, Be Well, because I want to really address the clients who are interested. Some people are not interested in in really going this deep on things. Some people just want to hand you their their money and say, can you allocate this properly for me? But there are other people who really do value what Donna and I are bringing to the table here and talking about the the integration of all of these pieces. And really and truly, my philosophy is that money and finances are a means to an end. And the end is for you to be living a life that is happy and fulfilled where you are well and achieving the things you want to achieve in life. 
plan well, be well. I love that. Now, just hearing this conversation, I'm getting all excited and thinking back to us sitting down and having our initial chat around uh, breaking money silence and the work that you're doing. And so it's really nice to have this time to be able to share your wisdom and your power and your insights with my audience. Um, Before I let both of you go, I wanted to uh, find out a little bit more and get an update for myself as well as people who are listening in about your podcast. So tell us about it, what the concept is, and uh, where we can start to uh, listen in to your wisdom on a weekly or monthly basis, whatever the case may be. Sure. So uh, I'm so excited to share this with people. Um, over the, you know, the last couple of years, Lauren and I both individually have been on our own uh, real personal growth journey. And what I think is really interesting is that Lauren was approaching her personal growth journey from truly the health and wellness aspect and found that the habits she was building and the improvements she was making spilled over into her professional life and she then saw professional growth. And mine was the opposite. I was focused on the professional growth side first and I saw that the habits that I was implementing to help me grow professionally then also spilled over to help improve on the health and wellness side. And as friends, we were getting into these conversations and said, I think we really have something here. Like if you can figure out which of those habits you can establish that are going to really be able to leverage you across the board in all areas of your life, that's what's really going to lead to wellness. And for us, coming from you know a personal finance background, we want to explore these different areas that you have to you know honor and nurture in order to achieve and maintain wellness and, and tie it back um, into personal finance always. You know, make that financial connection and find a financial parallel because we really do believe that you need to have financial wellness in order to have, you know, general total wellness. And we believe that you need to achieve and maintain that general wellness in order to be a high-performing female professional. And, and that's what we want to be. And that's who we want to speak to. We want to speak to women who love their careers, believe in their careers, are doing good work, but also recognize that, you know, you're more than just your work and we have a family and we need to be well. And and, and so, you know, figuring out or, or talking about our own journey, and it is a journey, you know, we don't claim to have reached the pinnacle of anything. We're very much on our journey. Uh, you talked about, you know, when you make a mistake or a slip or you decide you want to go skiing, we've got roadblocks along the way too. And, and we have episodes dedicated to those. But uh, yeah, that that's it comes from our own experience. Um, and we want to speak to other women who are looking to achieve and maintain, you know, high performance and, and wellness. And, and you can find our podcast launching the first quarter of 2020. And we hope that you'll join us for our, alongside us on this journey. I definitely will. I really am excited that uh, we managed to stand each next to each other at a women's podcast meetup by accident, but then started a conversation, broke money silence. And then uh, I'm watching you kind of take this next step in your podcast journey is exciting. And certainly taking the time out of your busy schedules to be here with me is quite an honor. So I will put up the link uh, and share that on social when your podcast Life Rebalance goes live. I definitely will be a subscriber. And I thank both of you, Donna and Lauren, today just for breaking money silence with me and for continuing to inspire me. Thank you for having us, Kathleen. And we can't wait to have you on our podcast. Excellent. I can't wait to chat with you again.
We're so honored. Thank you, Kathleen. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.